The following podcast contains coarse language and strong opinions on wine. Seriously, these two have potty mouths and little self-control. Listeners, you've been warned. Live from our basement studios here in suburban Chicago, it's another edition of That Wine Pod. I'm Pete. And sitting across from me, the man who puts the Santa in Santa Barbara, Vino Mike. Hello, ho, 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 everybody. <laughs> I was trying to call you a saint, I think. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's tough. I got to think of these things like as we go. It's not always the easiest. I'm really not that creative. <laughs> I love it, man. It's, you know, it's all on the fly. You know, we got a. This is a very unscripted show, as many of our longtime listeners know. But if you're just joining us for one of the first times, yeah, par for the course. Yeah, I mean, we both kind of lost our words in the last episode, so hopefully, we found them for this one. I hope so too. You know, that was back in winter, and now spring is sprung. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, man, I'm excited to have another spotlight on a female winemaker today. Yes. We're coming back to the USA. Woo! Going back to Cali. Oh, yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, we are. We're going back to Cali. Santa Barbara. Somebody who has got a very specific vision. Yeah. And has executed perfectly to in, in my mind you know it's funny you know i before we get into the, the detail of what this is that's it's a really strong parallel to our last episode where we talked about elena yep. fucci uh one wine one very strong vision very honed in and and focused and this is the same case but a completely different story completely different grape and yeah different way of going about it about it uh and not like somebody you know generational ownership of land or anything somebody who's out there sourcing and and really kind of honing in on a, on a varietal versus uh an area and then using that terroir to express that varietal in different ways so anyway why don't you why don't you let us in on the secret all right in in that bottle today which by the way as you know we know from the last episode we're back to the bottles, not the boxes. Yes, we are. We're we're now outside the box. We were we're inside the bottle. Inside the bottle, uh, one of the two. Anyways, uh, in that bottle today is none other than a, a wine label called A Tribute to Grace, and this is a rosé of Grenache, vintage twenty twenty from the Santa Barbara Highland Vineyard. Am I saying that correctly? Santa, plural, I'm sorry. Santa Barbara Highlands Vineyard. So there's a vineyard called Santa Barbara Highlands. That's where this fruit comes from. But a tribute to grace. That's kind of the spotlight. That's the big deal here and uh, what we want to really hone in on. So the the owner, uh, entrepreneur, winemaker extraordinaire is Angela Osborne. Um, you've, you've actually had the pleasure to meet Angela. Is that right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's phenomenal. Like in terms of, well, first of all, she's from New Zealand originally. Yes. So the accent alone is worth, like, I love those accents, right? Yes. Like it's, I feel like they're more authoritative awesome. in whatever they're talking about. <laughs> okay. Just, just with the accent. Right. Yeah. Uh, but she's just, she is honed in, man. Like 
talking with her, her expertise, super down to earth, right? But she was able to take kind of what she does, make it super understandable. uh, Yet I gleaned a lot of information out of it. Yeah. You know, like fun to to learn that much about Grenache Mm -hmm. and what she's doing with it and why. Yeah, so let's give our listener the the philosophy and the idea between be, behind all of the wines that she makes. First of all, you mentioned she's a New Zealand native to New Zealand, she, a New Zealander. Is that how you? Sure, would say I'm going to say that. All yeah. right, not to be confused with Zoolander. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, relax, <laughs> do it. <laughs> um, so back to back to Angela from New Zealand. So I'd love to. If I have the opportunity to meet her, I will ask her, like, what is the story? What led you to Grenache being your your love in terms of wine and a wine grape to work with? But anyway, fast forward, that is her love and her passion is the Grenache grape. In New Zealand, the weather is not ideal and not well suited for planting, growing, and making world-class Grenache. So to my understanding, she traveled the world to you know, various major wine regions to look for a home to set up shop where she could follow her passion of making Grenache, great Grenache. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, it was California that drew her in uh, the most. So I think it was around 06, she set up shop in California. Uh, I'm not sure if her facilities are in Santa Barbara or Paso Robles because she works with vineyards and fruit up and down the coast. And we'll get into that a little bit. But all she makes is Grenache. Uh, Everything she bottles is 100% Grenache and 100% single vineyard and farmed as close to you know biodynamically as possible i'm i'm not sure if every single vineyard she works with is farmed biodynamically but it's it's very important also in her philosophy to work with the land work with mother nature uh leave that small carbon footprint etc and you know this isn't large production wine either uh but being that she is in california i think our listeners can probably track some bottles down. Uh, she does have distribution in various markets, one of them being Chicago, of course, uh, where she's represented by our friend Steve Sullivan with his company called Vinejoy. And I don't know any other distributors off the top of my head that she might work with in other markets, but if she is not in your state, you can buy direct from the winery when she actually has product to sell. Right. That's what I was going to say, man. She, they sell out a lot because Mm -hmm. these are small production wines that are very much terroir driven and vintage driven. Right. So you could do that. But one of the nice things, I think she has, one of the better websites in terms of being able to kind of locate things. So cool. If you just go to her website under the tab of Grace's story, mm-hmm. there's a, a drop down. It says grace in the wild Ooh. and you've got a grace location map right on. And outside of California, grace is all available domestically in, and you can click on whatever state you live in. If, you're lucky enough to have distribution. Yep. Uh, if you're 
not in the United States, welcome. <laughs> I don't know why you're listening to this, but welcome. But she's also in the United Kingdom, France, Sweden, Denmark, Australia, Costa Rica, Hong Kong, and of course, New Zealand. Yeah, of course. Right? Of course. So if you're in California, it gets very specific. You can click on the restaurant or a retailer to find out where it's at. Wow, that's really cool. So like it's really the the closer you in. get to the <laughs> the the mothership, the the winery or really the state of California, the the more detailed it is to be able to find the wines. And you know, quick shout out actually to our I think three, maybe four international listeners. So, oh wow. Uh, you know, um, they they may be able to track down some some tribute to Grace Grenache as well. Yeah, and if you she like everybody else, like in the United States, I feel <laughs> has a wine club. Yeah, the wine club is called Graceland. Oh my gosh, that's of course, fantastic, right? So if you want to become a Graceland member, you could check that out too. Very cool. What a what an awesome website. Yeah, I I really love how this is the amount of time that went into making sure you can locate the wine yeah. is great because in the end. You're a business that sells wine. Yeah. So why hide it? Yeah. And why make, right? yeah, exactly. why make it difficult? Why make it difficult? Or, you know, I guess, I guess, you know, why not make it easy? So, um, you know, one, one thing you mentioned there was, uh, the story of grace. So this, this wine, this label is her winery is called a tribute to grace. Grace was, is her grandmother that uh, had just was a huge inspiration on Angela. So she named the winery after her. It's a, it's a beautiful, you know, tribute right on the label to grace. And it's just that simple. So uh, yeah, here's, here's, here's a woman that man just followed her passion yeah. All the way. I have no idea the bumps and, and roadblocks she had to go through to get to the point that she's at now. And then even right now, working with small production, single vineyards and, and being able to, you know, pump this stuff out year after year, especially right now with, you know, all the challenges logistically and shortages or what whatever like winemaker, pro, you know, challenges that winemakers are facing today. Uh, just, I mean, kudos. Yeah. And the, the label has that double meaning, too. What's that? It it, it also is about her uh, favorite human attribute, which is grace. Grace, of course. Yes. So it encapsulates. She's trying to encapsulate grace mm. and ca- small g and grace capital G within each bottle, right? <laughs> which is cool. I mean, that's a, that's a really ambitious goal yeah. that she's out there to meet and on top of that the wines are phenomenal yeah the wines are phenomenal so the wine in our glass today uh just to remind everybody is 2020 rosé of grenache the 2021 has been bottled it is probably shipped out i'm guessing to to the club i think maybe some markets might be starting to see it uh i'll have to uh we'll have to hey steve we're hitting you up man we're (laughs) gotta get my 21 grace but we got the 2020 in the glass bro and i made the decision to not drink one of these to save for next year wow and there you go reaping the rewards i think this is a rosé that yeah and forget like i'm I'm sure this is going to be delicious next year also with two years of age on it but this is the type of rosé like a great rosé from bandol or a one of the great rosés of southern france that you can 
actually put down in the cellar and wait for a year or two, you know, buy yourself two, three, four, 12, 24 bottles, whatever you can do and lay some down and drink some this summer, but make sure you save some for next summer. And if you bought enough, let it go for, for another year. Cause I mean, this is starting to enter its prime right now. Uh, and I full disclosure here for our audience, we got the Corv in here. We poured ourselves a taste because I want to save this bottle for you know a little bit deeper into rosé season here in the summer, and and you know pop pop it open and drink it with uh, like I love I love rosé with my grilled sausages and grilled veggies and stuff. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> that I just I'm shocked at how vibrant this wine is. So at this point, man. right? So I mean, it's got and there's got, and floral yeah. and um, minerally though. That right? minerality is what the minerality and grip are what got me. There's a little bit of grip to this for a rosé, which makes it way more interesting. Yeah, it's not overwhelming, but that you've got this kind of gorgeous stone fruit and a little bit of like red apple skin that kind of gives you that grip, and then you get this clean minerality coming behind it. Um, and I get like, as, like, as it kind of has set, like I get like honeydew melon, Yeah, a lot of it, like just kind of cascading across. I gotta, I gotta put some on my palate after you just said that. Yeah. It's one of my, wow. I mean, I'm sad that the bottles that I bought, I just drank because I think it's never too late to start. It it was, it was great. Uh, fresh, fresher, right. It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but the complexity that it's gained in bottle, it's pretty amazing. It, yeah. I would almost treat this like a, just like a young, a, like a lighter red versus a rosé. Yeah. I, I think it could go maybe three years or so Yeah, um, from vintage date. For sure. I think so too, man. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to put a maybe picture on, four. on social, but this is, you know, really classic pale, you know, salmon, skin color rosé like it is not there's there's no deepness or or overt ripeness which you might expect when you're like oh i I have a rosé of grenache from california you're like ready for this like watermelon super candied ripe bomb that this is way more refined now you know one thing we say on the show quite often is quality of fruit you know, you, you you don't make a great wine waving your magic wand, um, but that that's that's why you failed out of wine school, I think, right, Pete? It, it is. It's exactly <laughs> why I did. I was not welcome back. <laughs> so you need great fruit fruit to make great wine, and what's really special to me about this rosé that I, I really want to make a big point of, because so many producers will make a rosé. You know, they'll just use extra fruit from what they're making out of their red wine, right? And make some rosé on the side, right? This is actually a specific row of vines within the Santa Barbara Highlands vineyard. So this is not her vineyard. To my knowledge, she doesn't own the vineyard or anything. Other producers make wine from this vineyard also. But the vines that she has in the vineyard, she controls everything the farming uh again biodynamics making the best possible grapes that she can and all of it is dedicated solely for this rosé 
So to me, I can't think of many other wines, rosé wines, that are from this like specific and small vineyard, you know, like very particular rows of a small vineyard. I don't know, was there production on the website? I, I, I know that most of these wines are not huge. Um, I mean, she has the bottle number on here, right? 8,219. So when you're, when you're labeling like each individual bottle, you know it can't be that much. Uh, what else is on here? Oh, 12.1% ABV. Another thing that you might come to think of with Grenache from California is 15% alcohol on the low end. This is 12.1%. It is just so fresh and vibrant and beautiful. Um, one, of, one of my favorite rosés to drink over the season. The 2021 is 1,274 cases. Okay. So very small. Yeah. You know, what's interesting here, Mike, is we're drinking this at basically room temperature, right? Yeah. And I, it, yeah, it's a reminder out there. Be careful how much you chill your rosés. So there are some rosés that you just want to, that can't more candied, right? Like kind of dark fruit, pop and pour, like get them as cold as you can keep them on ice. Right. Then there's ones like this and others from great rosé producing regions, right? Mm -hmm. Provence, Bandol, what have you, that you want to make sure that you're subtly chilling and then watching the temperature because what you don't, what'll happen is if you chill it too much, you kill the complexity. So you won't get the subtleties of the wine. Don't be a complexity killer. And that's right. (laughs) Just don't do it. (laughs) Don't make me come and slap the cuffs on you. Oh, also another reason I got kicked out of wine school. Um, You can't just be slapping cuffs on people. Handcuffs, magic wand. You, you, you thought you had all the tools you needed. <laughs> it's not good. Um, the, uh, but but seriously, in in terms of rosé, yeah, I, I'm careful how much I chill them, just because of enjoyment level. And you may find that like you want this at barely cellar temperature, yeah, versus some you know something that is just been kept cold all day. Not and not that this bottle is going to last that long, right? <laughs> it's such a great point, and I'm so glad you brought that up because it wasn't really not in the front of my mind to talk about that. But for the show today, I had this in my wine my wine fridge, just a small wine fridge in the corner of my my dining room at 55 degrees, and I was I deliberately didn't put it in the fridge because I'm like I don't want this to be too cold for the show. And then you know I throw it in my bag and drive over here, and that's like 25 minutes and. Uh, then we're chit chatting and whatever. So, I mean, it's, it's been out of the cellar for a good hour now, uh, and now in our glass warming up even more and it's, you know, it's perfect. It's yeah. perfect. It's spot on. Yep. I mean, so, you know, 50 degrees, you know, you can, if you have a wine fridge, you can keep these rosés in there. Or if you do keep it in your regular refrigerator, just pour a little bit in your glass and chill out and let things warm up. You chill out, let the warm, un, let the wine unchill. Yeah. I Take a sip while it's cold. Yeah. I mean, t- sip it at different temperatures and you'll start to see like, whoa, the complexity really is coming out. Yeah, for sure. Good wine should be an adventure from when you pop the cork open to when it is like showing great to you. Um, You know, all wines 
of high quality are going to show a little different right away, but it's important to taste that, like have a little sip, get some air in the bottle, pour some in your glass. Your glasses should be like a mini decanter. You can think of it that way. And, uh, you know, let some, let the temperature start coming up on, on this and, uh, enjoy, you know, one of the other things I really like about her is she's very playful with how she kind of goes about her business. Not that she's not serious, right? Yeah. But she'll give you kind of, um, a whole story for each of these wines, right? Like what happens to it and where it goes, including my, one of the things I, I like about this is the wine goes into a long, slow, cool fermentation over 51 days in a tank named Aroha. <laughs> right on. <laughs> A-R-O-H-A. Wow. So, I mean, we are, we're absolutely, like, she's naming the tank. She's, yeah. you know. It's it's family, you know? Like, like, you know, she's trying to express, like, the wine is a tribute to her family. She's trying to express her own grace. And she's trying to make the most expressive uh, bottlings of Grenache on earth, let alone California. Like, forget about that. Cause again, she traveled and picked this to set up shop. Yeah. So she must've really saw something special that she knew, uh, had some potential for her. And, you know, while we're sitting here drinking the Rosé, what she's most known for are the reds. So she does. So w- one quick thing before you get there. Yeah. I just want to make sure everybody knows this. Cause to me, this is maybe the most important thing we're going to let them in on. Okay. She makes magnums of this wine. Oh, shit. That's right. Magnums find, of the rosé. Find the big bottle yes. and just get as many as you can get your hands yeah, on. Yeah, if you can get your hands on the mags. Oh, especially like... Sorry to interrupt, like, but I think that's crucial, critical information because bigger bottles, more fun. Yes, absolutely. Uh, thanks for bringing, bringing our listeners uh, in on that little secret. Yes. Um, I'm sure that production is pretty small. So, but... Uh, you know, we don't have the reds to taste today, but she does, uh, you know, like seven, eight, nine, whatever the, the count is, red wines, all from different vineyards. And these different vineyards are in different parts of California. There's one that's up in Santa Cruz. There's some in Paso Robles, Santa Barbara. Uh, so when you, I have had the opportunity to taste all of these side by side. And dude, that is an absolute mind-blowing roller coaster ride because it's all 100% Grenache, but those wines could not be different. And in the hands of Angela, who's trying to make really expressive Grenache, uh, there it's 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 such an awesome treat, such an awesome journey, um, and it it would be a lot of fun for our listeners to try to you know collect all of the different vineyards and do some side-by-side tastings because it's so cool. And now there's nothing wrong with the opposite style that maybe California Grenache is known for, which is really ripe, powerful, full-bodied, like Herman's Story comes to mind. Uh, But those are still very elegant wines. They're not overly oaked, but they're, they're completely different than what Angela Osborne is doing. Absolutely. Dude, I mean, she's fantastic, and you know, she's she's got a new. So she finally went outside of Grenache. Oh, got a new but, wine. Well, she's doing cans. Oh, Citizen Can. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> There's like sign a, me up. A, a I... Sauvignon Blanc, a Rosé okay. of Grenache, and then a sparkling Tempranillo. 
Oh, cool. Um, in there. So shit, man, I'm down to try anything from a winemaker like her or anyone else of this level that starts doing some cans. Cause you know, it's going to be good. Absolutely. I, I love, I love the can, but it's gotta be good. Absolutely. I mean, and she's gonna, she's gonna nail this, right? Yeah. I mean, and it, it's a great name, right? Yeah. Citizen C- can. Citizen can. Hell yeah. Awesome. Little, little play on that citizen cane. Fun, fun. Another another thing we'll have to ask uh, Steve. You yeah. Know, maybe we'll follow up on social here where like, hey, these are in the Chicago market or or not or whatever the deal is. We'll try to get the inside scoop, the 411 on the Osborne wines. Well, I mean, and she's got an SB going, which is New Zealand's, you know, big claim to fame in the wine world, right? Uh-oh, so uh-oh. sounds like she's getting greedy a little I don't bit. Know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, SB, you know, uh, and speaking of another female winemaker, Via Ash, we re- we referenced Herman's story, yeah, which is Russell from uh, his wife Via from formerly before being married to him Via Ash. Uh, is another superstar female producer in this region in Paso Robles. Yeah, her label Desperada, which we have talked about before. I don't know if we've tasted a Desperada wine on this show, man. So I've got a fragment Sauvignon Blanc. That's, like the, a, like that's a, what it reminded me of when you said Sauvignon Blanc. I think I'm I, like, I, if it's anything like Vaya's fragment Sauvignon Blanc, I'm sign me up because that thing is well, I killer. Mean, it is. It's so much different, right? Because it's an oaked kind of mm-hmm. so I'm like, like a bigger richer style right um, but still super refreshing and big acidity but I've get, had one like laying down like I want to say it might be a might be a 17 or something mm-hmm. I've had laying down that I was looking forward to popping this year because it put a little age on it but yeah so just probably about ready yeah mm-hmm. I, I just thought it could be and then just kind of thinking through some of the great wines that I've got sitting there and have enjoyed over the years and how many female winemakers in California there really are that we've that I totally admire. I mean, I think we've brought up Kathy Corson on the show before. Yeah. Oh, I mean, man. I just, I don't know. To me, she's such like a, pinnacle. Such like a pioneer, just, you know, gender aside, man. Just that name is really huge and really important. Um, but, you know, being a pioneer of Napa Valley wines, coming up in the time where it is definitely was male dominant. I'm sure she had her fair share of obstacles to overcome and roadblocks, but Corison, of course, huge name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any, any, any Heidi, female wine, Heidi Barrett, Heidi Barrett, gotta, got, you know, <laughs> kind of front and center. Um, you know what now? Winemaker for Screaming Eagle. Yeah, I like, mean Heidi's claim to fame is is making Screaming Eagle basically <laughs> from nothing into the biggest cult wine in the United States. Yeah. Uh, so speaking also Sauvignon Blanc, Mary Edwards. Oh, Mary Edwards, great Sauvignon Blancs and Pinot Noir. Um, Catherine Hall. Oh yeah, another big name, former ambassador to Austria, I believe, for the United States. Yeah. Um, so many, dude. Yeah. Well, now you know. So for I wish we could taste them all. Like you know, right after I. So the prisoner, right? So after Dave Finney Mm -hmm. came, uh, Jen Bellows. If that's how you say that last name, I don't know if it's Bellows or Bellows. B E L O Z. Right. Right, Correct. Her husband was a former uh, Vin Chicago employee Mm -hmm. back in the day, uh, who makes some great wine in and of himself. But back to the women, but. 
the prisoner stayed in a woman's hands. Yeah, and- when it went over to Augustine Huneus's, uh empire <laughs> at the time, and he created Prisoner Wine Company, Jen led that yeah. project and created some new wines under the label, which, by the way, go back to our prisoner episode if you're new or haven't caught that. That was yeah. a really fun episode to really get in detail of this wine. But And it stayed with a woman. Now Chrissy Whitman makes it. Because now it's, now it's with, with Constellation, Constellation brand. Right? So um, Christy Whitman. Oh, who else? Uh, that just reminded me, not Whitman, but Inman. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Kathleen Kat- Inman. Kathleen Inman. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's like, you know... We're not going to just sit here and give you a list, right? But yeah. the point being the, that yeah. it's way it's not prevalent enough. Yeah, <laughs> there's, I'm not saying that there's equality, but there's greatness here mm-hmm. uh, that you can go find. And you know, like the first one we mentioned, if you've never had a chorus in wine, go find some some chorus in Cabernet, and just be ready to be transported to a different place in time, like the yeah. way. That she uh, that she crafts wines just amazing, right? It rem- if without people like her, right? I'm not sure Angela Osborne picks California someday, mm-hmm. right? To do basically an experiment with Grenache around the entire state, right? Right. So you've got to have people that kind of break that glass ceiling, and yeah, you know sure. you start inviting more in. But you know, just just think about you know who. Who are drinking every once I, in a while? I have not had many bottles, but the ones that I've tasted are so imprinted, uh, like on my palate. I mean, I could see the label in my mind. I can feel the wine still. Not many wines leave that kind of impression on you. Like the texture of those wines. I mean, those are silky. Those Absolutely. are like the definition of caressing your palate. And that's like the benchmark. Those They're just you are you're transported to another time you're transported to um another you know sense of of place of where you're at right there emotionally or you know the the feeling that that wine gives you yeah and i love it because we talk so much when we get into california about mountains you know mountain fruits and you start like thinking like you forget about the valley floor yeah and the benches that make up certain like the chronos vineyard right is like on a bench and um on the valley floor there, right you you can't discount what is going on there. Nope. And so, I don't know. I think it's a good way to kind of end our, our mini tribute to females and, uh, you know, the winemaking world. Um, just don't sleep on them, man. <laughs> that's, that's, you're you're <laughs> yeah. doing yourself a disservice if you're not seeking this stuff out. Yeah, for sure. And it's not about the fact they're female. That that we wanted to highlight, but they make great wines. Correct. Rego- <laughs> that we love. Right. That, we're, that are favorites of, of Pete and myself. Um, and just kind of, you know, if we were going to do a couple of, of wines, which we did, I think these are in our top five easily if yeah. not top three top two yeah <laughs> you know like whatever we can what, what we're able to get our hands on at the time and everything but yeah this was fun it was fun to talk about fuchi and now uh uh angela and her a tribute to grace wine so absolutely and and look it's not an easy topic for men to cover right yeah. like and so if we've made mistakes here just forgive us you know it's it's done out of a place where we want to highlight and give uh, honor and homage to great winemakers who happen to be female, yeah. right? 
and just highlight the fact that we understand there's inequality within the world, within the winemaking world, and that it's not always easy for them to break through. And this is just a small way to try to make sure that a few more people hear about them. That's it. Exactly. And it's a time, you know, I felt like we're not, you know, we're not coming at this like jumping on the bandwagon and it's Women's History Month and we got to do something. It's taking advantage of at least there is a period of time where this conversation is broader and louder. And it's maybe using that uh, momentum and energy to use our platform as small as it is to give a little bit of a voice at this time where there is more emphasis on, uh, you know, the, the, the female and their, um, you know, need to be treated equally. Absolutely. So. All right, man. Well, I think we got to wrap it up here. All right. What do you think? Sounds good, man. I'm ready for another glass of this rosé. Yeah, no doubt. All right, everyone. Remember, life is short. Drink what you like tonight. Thank you for listening to That Wine Pod. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at at That Wine Pod. And we are That Wine Podcast on Facebook. Also, check out Mike on Instagram at Vino Mike and Pete is at Fat Man Stories. Please subscribe to That Wine Pod on your favorite podcast app and leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show. The music is Proto Funk by Kevin McLeod. That Wine Pod is a production of Paragon Media. <laughs>